Hello and a warm welcome to Two Good Gardeners, the gardening podcast that's for everyone who enjoys growing their own flowers, fruit and vegetables. Earlier this month, Julia and I were fortunate enough to sit down with Fergus Garrett, head gardener at Great Dixter and one of the most influential people in horticulture today. Our interview, recorded in Dixter's lofty Yeoman's Hall, explores his thoughts on late summer colour, what makes the plant Dixter worthy and where he sees the garden 20 years from now. So Fergus, thanks ever so much for joining us. The garden is a joy to behold as always. What are the highlights for you right now at this very moment? Well we're cutting meadows at the moment and I love the the fact that we go from you know this sort of sward of orchids and all sorts of things like that and then go on to knapweeds and it all turns brown and then we cut it and the whole thing looks like a desert and I love that sort of trans that transition and then of course it needs to be cut because it's a part of its cycle like um like that so and and it's like having a shave isn't it It sort of tidies the place up as well so i love that's a highlight at the moment because we're cutting um i think the subtropical garden is marvelous because it's a very immersive experience Mm -hmm. you're amongst the sort of a jungle of foliage but also you've got the spines of the conifers that are in there as well and it's a very tactile place and fresh green so different from the sort of the brown of the countryside that's around us the parched sort of countryside that's around us so uh, you know that that's a highlight long border's been looking fantastic for for months and months and months and months and so so you know it's wonderful to to have that breathing alongside you um I suppose I could go on and say the whole garden, but it's you know I don't want to say that. With with the cutting of the meadows, would you say that timing-wise, how does it relate to previous years? Because we've had such a strange year, haven't we, weather-wise? Are you earlier, later? Are you on target? I think if if the droughts of the earlier sort of summer months continued, we would have cut earlier. Um, but because then we had the drought and the hot weather followed by the rain and the gloomy weather of, mm. of the summer, it's cancelled itself out. So in terms of timing, we're more or less exactly where we were okay. in previous years. Yeah, okay, that's good. You mentioned the sort of immersive experience of the garden, which is something I've kind of learned from here. It's not for everybody. I was telling Julia, I had a friend who came to my garden last weekend and said, when are you cutting all of this back? But could you just talk to us a bit more about this, the sort of importance of that sort of very up-close and personal effect that you get here? Well, you know, different people want different things, don't they? And it just, I think it's more a, a sort of a... You know, it's very subjective what, is, what works and what, what doesn't, you know. And so, um, so I think it's really important for us to treat this garden as if it, it is ours that you know so that our personality comes out of this, this this place and and for me being up close and tactile with plants or being immersed in them um is very important as long as you've got breathing spaces as well and um i mean i've had somebody go into the subtropical garden and there's a hedicium leaning over the path and they've just snapped the whole thing off you know and so it's just like that you think I mean, I would never do that in somebody no. else's uh, else's garden. And I think for me, it, it sort of brings us onto a, 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 a bigger subject in that, 
you know, what are gardens, you know, they're, they're, they're creative places where plants, you know, there's community of plants, but it's actually the hand of the gardener that, that makes a difference. And you don't want them all to be the same. And I think the, um, the, the gardens that I love most have got the personality of the owner. Mm. And, and so, and Dixter is immersive. Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that everybody else has to be immersive. You know, they, people do it in different ways. And I think when you walk around Dixter, it, you go through, you know, through the year, you go through everything being low with crocuses and snowdrops and then tulips and so on, the grass is cut, etc. You know, the meadows are wonderful. And then by the time you get to midsummer, things are a bit higher and so on, a bit more cottagey. And then as, as you get into high summer, things are even higher. And then as we go in from summer into, into the autumn, things are towering above you and and there's that dynamic change throughout the year is very very nice and then before long winter's going to be upon us upon us and and we're going to start cutting things down yeah. to the ground and tidying up again so yeah. i like the changes that 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 gives but um you know i, I remember when a conifer grew across the path in the in the subtropical garden and I, I took a friend through and she had to sort of peel herself through the conifer <laughs> and come out the other side and you know and she, she, she was just she was ecstatic with that you know she said this is just such an interesting experience to do that because you went through the the dark canopy through this conifer yeah. stretched yourself through and then the sky was above you and you you could then breathe and so, so I thought well actually you know we talk about the visual sense in the garden we talk about the the sight uh, the the, um, the sounds of a garden and the smells but actually this is another thing this tactile you know this yeah. is the physical sort of experience it's it's yeah it well. is and it just it adds another layer so I, I so we're playing with it we're playing with it you know we're playing with it I've been here and it's been sort of late autumn and that subtropical garden is still towering above and just giving so much colour. Is there something you could recommend to our listeners that would be good for them to grow and try and take a little bit of Great Dixter to extend the season? Because you're so good at late colour here. Yes, I think there's a lot of late flowering plants that are good, whether they're, they're you know, um, Michaelmastasies or those sort of things and chrysanthemums, you know, there's a lot of things. And oh no, obviously the downside of that is that they don't do much in June, July, mm. August, you mm. see. So you have to have a balance between all of that. But I think for something for sure is that it's, it's plants with good foliage. You know, it may be something with a yellow leaf that then gets autumn colour. It may be something with a green leaf that's got a very interesting shape or a nice sort of glossy leaf. Those sort of things. If you have an element of those running through your garden, it actually prolongs the season and they are very effective in the late part of the season. Because if you look at all the herbaceous plants now, you know, they'll start getting tired. Yeah. And you want that foliage there, that punctuation to actually pull you, pull you through those later seasons. Yes. I, I noticed the litrum does very well here you've got quite a few different varieties there they stand i'm not sure how long they last for they'll be if they'll be here for another two three weeks and okay. then they're, they're done okay they're done mm. yeah certainly i mean the amount of color out there is is staggering and i think many people find that their gardens get a little bit tired don't mm. they but it's, it's very inspiring to mm. see how you manage to sort of push that right through so you know we're on the verge of autumn now and with that in Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to in interrupt to say, but, you know, in a small garden, you can do that quite effectively mm. uh, by, by just choosing those 
plants, foliage plants, like I said, mm -hmm. but also choosing those plants that will um, flower for a long period that perhaps don't take up much space. So, you know, if you wanted a, a blue geranium, a blue hardy cranesbill, um, you could have something called Orion that flowers for four weeks. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, that's, that's fine when it does it. It gives you that impact for four or five weeks. But geranium Roseanne is in full flower now. It was in full flower last month. It will be in full flower next month. And the month after, it will go on till November. So you're just choosing those long season mm -hmm. plants. You know, maybe geranium Russell Pritchard or Mavis Simpson or geranium Roseanne. And, and um, those things that, that have a long season. And having it along with the foliage plants, then you can start having a longer season garden as a result. And with those things, if you just underplanted the whole lot with snowdrops, then suddenly you've got a, a winter in, impact. And then after the snowdrops, if you had just a pretty little um, narcissus that isn't going to overwhelm all the vegetation, maybe you know jack snipe or something, or even something like thalia, narcissus thalia, mm -hmm. that will give you a mid-season mm -hmm. display as well. And then those perennials will take over. So you can, you, you know, you don't need to have an army of gardeners to do that. It's just careful choice of plants and making sure that you slip in one or two things that can live harmoniously yes. together to prolong the seasons. So you've unwittingly led on to one of my burning questions, <laughs> which is, so Christopher Lloyd and then you have, have pioneered sort of interesting, unusual, perhaps unsung plants. I'd be really interested to hear how, how do you to sort of discover and assess plants for their dixter worthiness? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't know how we do it, really. I think you get a, I think they, they, in a way, they talk to you. So there's several things. First of all, you look for. Christo hated the word useful, but you look for things that are really useful, and in that, you know, something that gives you a good body for all 365 days mm -hmm. of the year. Like Euonymus silver queen is really useful as a, as a, as a stalwart in the garden. That's going to be great for. And um, it doesn't just need to be useful. It needs to have a sparkle as well, and that plant has a sparkle. You know, so those, so those plants that are sort of long service, you know, that, they, that, that may be a, you know, uh, a, a nice-leaved fatsia or a good fern like Polysticum beavis, or, or it may be, you know, a phlomus with grey leaves or a santalina or, you know, or a physocarpus with dark leaves. Those sort of things will, will be... Will be punctuation and lot so that's you know let's use that awful word useful for the, for them <laughs> uh, and, and then amongst as well as that then you're looking for um, those things that are going to add a bit of pizzazz but for a long long period as well so geranium roseanne does that euphorbia donii does that with its lime green flowers and its wonderful um, variegated foliage and Agastache blackadder, geranium mavis simpson, helenium sahin's early flower. They're all things that give you that little bit extra. Mm. So again, they're, they're in that awful word useful category. You know, so you have, you know, they, they support you. And if you're in a shady area, maybe rogersias or, or, or different types of ferns, those sort of things that look good. They have a good foliage, they have a flower, they'll be there into the autumn and then you can underplant them with, with all sorts of bulbs. Okay, so, so, that's, so you, you're trying to get a display for a long season, so you choose those sort of plants. But as well as that, you want things that, that, that add a bit of character. 
you know, mm. that, that a bit of, it may be a conifer with a strange twist, you know, it may be, uh, you know, if you, if you look at the actress Beatrice Dahl, who died recently, she had character because of the gap in her teeth, you know, so you look yeah. for those plants yeah. with gaps quirky. in their teeth, you know, yeah. they're quirky. So yeah. we look for those, those things because the garden should have character. Mm. And each person's, one, my character, maybe you're, you're odd, you know, and that you may not like it, but... Um, so you, you pick and choose those plants that, that actually speak a slightly different language yeah. as well, that add something, something, something interesting to it. And then you also have to always stop yourself from being prejudiced or snooty about mm. plants. You know, people were snooty about dahlias all those years ago, and then we embraced them, and, you know, everybody grows dahlias. Mm. And then uh, of, of late, people were snooty about conifers. Yeah. And so we've embraced conifers, and we, we've got a, a valley of desire, as we call it, you know, that <laughs> conifer valley out in the bar, in the, in, the, in the blue garden, where we've got a tsunami of, of, of seed, cedars, of pendulous cedars. And it looks fantastic, you know. I took a group of garden designers there this morning. I was doing a tour for them. And they couldn't believe it, you know, they, because, you know, the, it's almost, it's, the, the word conifer is almost a swear word for some people. Not yes. to them, I think. Yeah. But they couldn't believe how, how effective that planting was. So I think we then look at, we look at those underdogs, you know, those things that are, you know, cow parsley was an underdog when we started using mm. them. Dandelions are an underdog. Mm. We use them. Buttercups are an underdog. We use yeah. them. And conifers are an underdog. So we're using them, but we're trying to use them. We're not using them for the sake of saying, hey, look at us, we're different. We're thinking, actually, you know, what's, what's your character and how can I use you most effectively to actually add to this overall picture that we've got at Dixter? Yeah. So, so it's looking at them with fresh eyes, really, yeah. and, and never looking at something because somebody says this is the new best thing mm. but actually look at the some of the old plants are so much better than the new ones mm. that have come along mm. you know because there's this big marketing machine about new yes. plants new plants so and i think also really importantly that if you go and look at plants in the wild um you you sort of tend to like a different sort of plant as well something you know Perhaps other people may call weedy, but they're great plants for weaving through other things. Mm. So it's just, just, just fine-tuning your eye with those things. And, and ha having said all of that, I've got a neighbour. I don't know her, um, but she's, she must be in her 80s. She's got a, a kidney-shaped lawn in her front garden. She's got concrete lions and monkeys and gnomes, and she's got a little birdhouse and all of those sort of things. And, and she's got these little busy lizzies that she's planted around the outside with pelagoniums and, and so on. And she's out there with shears, ripping. And they're not the plants that I would use at, at, at Dixter, but I'm so glad that she's there gardening like that. Yes, yes. Because it just puts a big smile on my face as, yeah. as well. Because I think you can be too snooty about these sort of things, you know, it's all about good taste and all of that. Let people enjoy it, do, the, do what they want. As long as they're not spitting chemicals everywhere and all of that, let them enjoy whatever they want to enjoy. Yes, yeah. no, good observation. So moving on to that, ditching the useful and the character and the quirky, what would be your three desert island plants, Fergus? Oh, um, I, I don't think I could take three. It'll have to be groups of plants. And I know this, Christo was asked that, and he said he'd, said he'd probably take begonias. I'd probably take, I'd probably yeah. take um, ferns. Mm -hmm. I'd probably yeah. take the whole cactus 
family, the whole group of cacti and succulents. And um, I probably would take begonias as well. Would you? Yes. Really? Yeah. Your desert island's going to have to have quite some different climates yeah, I know, yeah, it? That's yeah, it, yeah, to get yeah, away yeah, with no, that. I'm... When you say begonias, are you thinking of the sort of interesting species types? Or yeah. The, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, you know, because some of those species are extraordinary. You know, there's this thing uh, called ecological divergence. You know, where they just sort of produce different leaves, different. You know, I, I mean, I like the gaudy ones as well a bit, but but I think those ones with extraordinary foliage are are amazing. Yes. You know, some of them have got leaves as big as gunnera leaves. You know, and so those. Yeah. Uh, so the desert island will have to have a. A tropical section. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a, is it Colwesii, which has got the most extraordinary leaves. It almost looks like a philodendron, sure. and they're huge. No one believes that that's the begonia. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just bringing on some little torso. Have you come across I know, that yes, yeah. That, that, well, well that's, not, that's not little, really, is well, it? Well, not yeah. little, but it's little now, but yeah. it won't be little. I mean, that's but... a wonderful plant. That's a wonderful leaf there. Yes. And I, I, I've grown for years luxuriance, which yes, has got, gorgeous. you know, which can be six feet tall and with leaves that cross, you know. So, so um, yeah, but this, again, there's so many other plants yeah. as well. Yes, I certainly wouldn't. I place. certainly wouldn't take grasses, although I like grass, but they, they mm. don't sort of, mm. they don't, they, they don't thrill me as much as cacti. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, so, yes. Yeah. I, I think. So I think, um, you know, going back to my first sort of visits to Great Dixter, and I have always had very small gardens. I've I've never had the the pleasure of owning. A garden of this size or even a sort of suburban size garden I've always gardened very small and I think it was coming to Dixter as a student and then years and years after that got me into container gardening and for various reasons all my garden is in containers mainly because it's hollow underneath yeah. so I have cellars underneath my garden could you talk a bit about your you know how you use containers in the garden here because it is extremely inventive and um, perhaps um, tell our listeners, you know, what some of the pleasures of gardening that way are. Yeah, of course. But talking about size, um, I used to, my own garden in Hastings, when I first sort of started working at it, it was tiny. It was tiny. It was about, it's about seven feet by four feet. Wow. And a lot of it was containerized there, but I loved doing that. And then opposite, you know, I used to sit at my kitchen table. The garden was there completely, I'd completely surrounded. The, the front part was completely closed up. And then there was a window opposite and there was a lady that, that I didn't really know, a neighbor, but she always used to do her, the washing up at that window. Uh, and, and, and she'd look over and now and again, she'd smile and then she'd look at the garden. And I used to love having a small garden like that because, you know, I'd grow something in there and all of a sudden one night I think I want to change it. So I come home from work about seven o'clock at night and then I just completely changed the garden. So when she went to do the dishes the next day, she'd have a completely new garden in front of her. <laughs> and that was one of the things, that was the, one of the great things. It was the flexibility of making a change yeah. just like that it was, was mm. wonderful. I think uh, plants and containers are many things. It allows you to look at plants close, closely. Well, sometimes they get lost in the hustle and bustle of the, of the, of the borders. So, it's, you know, when we get something interesting or new that we put it in a pot and just have a look at it. As well as that, the containers that we do at Dixter, the, we, we, we ourselves, but also the students, do pot displays. 
So you may say to a student, I want you to do a pot dis display just of conifers, or I want you to do it just of foliage, or I want you to do it just with bright colours, or I want you to have you know, lots of negative spaces in there. I don't want the height at the, at the centre, I want the height to be at two ends and dip in the centre, etc. So they, they get to play around with, with plants, uh, but also getting closer to their own aesthetics and their own tastes. And, because if, if, they can't, if they don't get it right, themselves they can move things around so it's a it's a great sort of experimental ground for them to just play with with and think about color and texture because it's less permanent than doing it in a border so it gives you that flexibility to do do that it also allows you to grow plants one may need water the other one may not it grows plants side by side that normally wouldn't grow in a border as as as, as well so that's in itself very in, interesting um but i i think and, you know, we're very fortunate at Dixter because we've got ground to plant in. Yeah. But a lot of people haven't got that. Mm. So the, the, the way they can only do it is in pots. Mm. And, you know, why even bother with planting a pot? Well, like, you bother with it because it's, it's lovely having that living thing around you, you know, whatever it is. So whether it's a lemon tree or a fern or something else, it's just something living that you're looking after that's a part of your world. And I think um, pots allow a lot of people to do that when they haven't got the, they haven't got the privilege of space. Mm -hmm. yes. you know? So I, I love that. And I used to, you know, if you ever seen those tiny little gardens that, that you get in in places like Tokyo and stuff, just outside somebody's yes. little doorway, tiny yeah. little, you know, isn't that magic that, they, you know, that, that's, that's a connection to nature, that, that in, even in a city like that. And in a place like Istanbul, which I love as a city, uh, those plants come out of the cracks in the paving or in the walls <laughs> yes. because it's an old city and that in itself, you know, yeah, it's, you know it's not just humans uh, having that space. Yeah. As long as we can allow, we allow the vegetation to be a part of it. And I think it's, it's, the pots are a step in that direction. Yeah, yeah Space is, is often an issue. I mean, I try and encourage people to grow veg in pots too, and pretty much anything can be grown depending on the size of the pot. But moving on to veg, you have a vegetable garden here. Not yeah. sure how many people know about it because it's not spoken about quite yeah. as much. Yeah. Is the vegetable garden to feed courses people that come and stay or is it to feed the staff or is it hopefully not ornamental I mean what is the purpose here where does it fit in um it certainly isn't ornamental although vegetables Good. are beautiful they are yeah yes. they're beautiful so they in, in, they they create their own ornament as a result of you know there's wonderful leaves and and fruit it's um, the majority of the of the stuff goes down to the loggia the cafe that oh, we had at the end of the garden okay. so that is fed through. so i think at say for this year um i would say 95 percent of the the, the harvest is ended up in the loggia. The five percent is then either frozen or used for courses or used for for guests that come to visit. You know, so it's it's all used. Okay. And good. if we have a glut, well, then we we hand it out to to the staff to have. Very nice. Good. Yeah. Good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Not thinking of expanding it. Is it going to stay yeah, yeah, as it yeah. is? Well, I mean, I, it's it's always Dixon's a funny thing because you could expand it, but you sort of let go of quality by by doing that but i'd love you know i think i think it's, it's quite a large area of veg garden uh, so what i'd like to do is grow more variety there mm. and get better at succession sowing so that you have you know less gluts and more sort of fresh stuff coming along you yes. know and, and also the wonderful thing about that is that you've got you've got a really young team up there who some of them have never grown vegetables before and um so there's a lot of really interesting community work going there with those kids trying to 
teach them how to, to grow and appreciate vegetables. And I love that, that yeah. element yes. of it as well. You yeah. know, they're all harvesting plums at the moment because the lodgers wants to make plum cake or, you know, and then they're harvesting fennel, fennel pollen for, for, the, oh. for the chef to use. Oh, and, you know, and, and where have they, you know, yes. I haven't even come across fennel pollen. Mm -hmm. So it just, it just sort of broadens yes. somebody's horizon. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. So yeah. We've obviously headed there next. <laughs> oh, yes, you're going there next. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> yes, you'll see you. It's, it's quite a big, you know, the artichokes are finished. Yes. Did so you let them go to, to flower uh, yeah. pollinators? Or? Well, uh, no, because we've actually, um, we harvest them before they go to flower. Okay. You know, so they're used, they're sort of used and so what have we got at the moment well potatoes have just been dulled. we've got yeah. tomatoes there we've got a lot of salad a lot of salad because we use a lot of salad down the lodger lots of herbs you know chives parsley um there's uh, lines of sorrel for making sorrel soup there's rhubarb there's parsnip and and beetroot and and uh, french beans there's various brassicas that are mm, growing there, good. so you know, and lines of tomatoes and so on. So it's it's you yeah, know, it sounds it's varied already. Yeah, it is, but yeah. it needs to be. You know, I would love to be growing salsify and and whatever yeah. and using it down there, but we can only do so much yeah. at any time. And we're a working place, really, yes. and and um, so we can't get round to every, every, mm. everything. Mm. Yeah. Sounds good. So the, uh, there's no doubt that this is one of the most sort of dynamic vibrant gardens i mean i the minute i sort of step through the gate maybe it's some nostalgia because i've been coming here for so long but my heart sort of starts beating louder when i get here but if if you could create another garden at great dexter another area what would it be do you think oh that's a question that i like i mean i i would love to garden on rock so I'd love to have, you know, an outcrop of rock here that gave me lots of crevices so I could alpine garden because I've never done that before. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'd, 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 I love gardening under those sort of stressful conditions, yes, having that element of stress. So um, whether it was a, an area of beach or whether it was, it, mm. whether it was rock outcrops, something like that would really interest me. So I always thought about making a crevice garden. You know, the Lutchens are concave and convex circular steps. I thought yeah. about actually, you know, taking the bedding out from the centre and just putting a, you know, making a crevice garden, growing alpines there, which could be quite interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I wouldn't mind having really sharp drainage so I could grow lots of cacti and succulents. You know, there's the, so you always want to, you always want to do things, play with things that you've never played with before. You see, yeah, yes. you know, that's that's that that's the that's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. And one day. <laughs> one day. And how do you cope, or how did you cope, from when you first started and took over the helm, from managing plants to then moving on to having to manage people and plants? Well, I don't think I'm a good people's manager, but, but uh, I, I think the thing was that when, um, when I started working for Christo all those years ago, in, in 1993, I think it was, and um, we were... I was involved with everything then, you know. I was I, I wasn't just his head guy. I got involved with the finances of the place, etc. With you know health and safety, all of that. So we, so I was pretty much hands on deck and got more and more responsibility. So it wasn't okay. so it wasn't a, a big shock. Um, 
Well, it was because you lost the, mm. your great friend, mentor, mm. and that that rock who, who who would just for the right reason say no, we're not doing that, and nobody would would question him. Mm. Whereas now, if you say no, we're not doing that. You know, we're not going to make a restaurant in the Great <laughs> Barn because we don't, we want to have green woodworkers in there. You know, because that's that's what we would want to work our woods, create a mosaic system in there, and train all these young kids with a skill. It doesn't make economic sense, but that's what we're going to do because mm. that's the sense of place that we want to preserve. You know, I'll get questioned on that, but mm. Christo would never mm. would question. So that was, you know, that's, that's fine. You know, you learn. I think the important thing is that you think, well, actually, this is a place that's got a timeless quality about it. And it's, um, it's, not, it's not set in aspect. It doesn't just, it's not, it's not a, a period place, but it's got a timeless quality about it. It's got a really strong sense of place. It's dynamic, like you said, it's dynamic, it's vibrant, it's, it cares about its community, and I want to protect that world. So if you want to protect that world, then you fight for it. And that's, that's the way it's happened. And I, I, I hate fighting for things, but mm. that's what you do. Mm. And so because you believe in what you're, what you're working on. You know, and then there's a whole family of people and supporters and, and you know, friends, people who, who just follow you along that journey because you know you're doing something effective, you know, um, and because we're actually, the borders are smashing and all of that, the meadow's brilliant, we've got great biodiversity, but I think the, really the most important thing we do is that all that work in the community that we do that we don't actually speak about all that stuff that we do with with sort of um you know with sort of the wider community with training kids all, all of that it's just magic and um so so you you make it happen so it's a great feeling isn't it giving back to community and, and teaching someone hmm. how to learn a new skill mental benefits as well as physical yeah. benefits yeah or kids that just haven't had a, a break a chance, in life yeah. they haven't had a chance mm. and then they come here and they 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 have a chance mm. don't they? Mm. so fergus you have a lovely way of, of leading me on to my next question each time <laughs> and our, our time with you is sort of coming to a close now but julia and i were both really interested to know how would you what how would you like to see dexter in 20 years time how would how would you like it to be I, I would, I would, uh, there has to be an element of preservation, looking after the place, the infrastructure, you know, the history, the, the you know, the, the, the sort of, um, because that's all integral to the place, you know, that, that, so you look after the buildings, the, the, um, and, and uh, all the, the plant, if you like, you know, the place. And then within that, you, you are as dynamic and creative and exciting and vibrant as ever. Okay, that 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 it never it's, it's never a place that stands still like that. That it's just got that electricity running through its veins, which has always had, for, but mm. for the right reasons, not for making headlines, etc., whatever, but for the right reason because it's this uber creative space. As well as that, you want it to be in um, a place where it accepts all sorts of people. You know, we're, we're a garden that's a place, an estate that's really biodiverse with the sort of the microcosm of life, but actually with this great biodiversity and the people who are a part of this place as well. You know, whatever background they're from, whatever, you know, gender, whatever they're from, they're, everybody's treated an equal here and, and we, we live in this sort of very creative community and, and, and I would like it to have that sort of 
heart going through, right the way through. It's easy for these places to to um, to become over-commercialised, think about always the bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, of course you want them to survive, but but and with that, you know, with the bean counting that goes on, you can lose some of the heart. That's the the important thing that that keeps a place going, but going spiritually but actually keeps a place different from other places. So I'd, I'd wanted, if, if it wasn't for, about people, if Dixter wasn't about people, then it would be half the place. You know, uh, it would just be about, it'd be just another wonderful, there are lots of wonderful gardens out there, lots of places that have got spirit and whatever. But actually, I think there are very few places that do the work that we do with people in the way that we do it with people. Which is, uh, and that, I think that's what sets us apart. Well, that is a lovely note to end on. Dexter has always led the way, always inspired, and it's great to hear that that will continue. Fergus, thank you from both of us so yeah, much for joining so much. us, and we look forward to many future visits here to Great Dexter. Yes. Oh, I look forward to that. You've been listening to the Two Good Gardeners podcast with me, Dan Cooper, and my co host, Julia Parker. Thank you to Fergus and the fabulous team at Great Dixter who made us feel so welcome. If you've enjoyed this special episode, why not click follow on your favourite podcast platform so you don't miss out when we release the next one. Leaving a rating or a review will help us to reach other gardening enthusiasts like yourself. We'll be returning with a new series in September. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Garden at parkers underscore patch and at two good gardeners and visit our websites dancoopergarden.com and parkers-patch.com in the meantime happy gardening